You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share heartfelt and inspirational messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself to God's unlimited blessings. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you now to open it to Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. And if you have your highlighter, if you have with you your pens, you can even write your notes. We're really encouraging you to read it. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Together, in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the river Jordan. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warn you to flee the coming wrath. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children for, of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And my dear friends, this is a reminder for us that John the Baptist was able to call people to repentance and thousands responded but on the other hand the Pharisees and the Sadducees they called repentance but a few people responded why? because the Pharisees and the Sadducees they used shame and guilt for repentance but on the other hand we learned this last week that the first platform for us to have new life is mercy and that's what St. John the Baptist preached and shared to people that we need to receive His mercy. Amen? Put both of your hands near your hearts and feel your heartbeat. And say this prayer after me. Lord, I want to follow You not just Sundays, but every day of my life. From Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Lord, I long for You. I want you in my life. I'll make you first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thy word, O God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Come on, let's give God a big hand. Praise you, Jesus. Everyone take a deep breath, inhale, exhale, take your seats, and say to the person beside you, live an inspiring life.
It's either you're living an inspiring life or expiring or perspiring. We learn it from John and that's why, my dear friends, we understand that from last week's point of view of mercy, now platform number two speaks about authenticity. Everybody say that, authenticity. And we need this more than ever in our times because a lot of us or we know of people living a double life, living a fake life. And we learn it from John. In your Bible, my dear friends, look into Matthew chapter 3, verse 4. We read, John's clothes were woven from coars camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locust and wild honey. This is pointing out to us that John could have lived a luxurious life, but my dear friends, he lived a simple life. And in this simplicity, he was able to inspire many people. We understand as well, trivia, that locust, no? particularly in Greek, can mean two things. Either locust, that is insects, or maybe locust speaks about the seed of the korab tree. And they say that by tradition, the Jews really ate the insects. So if you're thinking of lunch right now, look at the person beside you. Does that person look, he or she is hungry already? We can learn and we can also follow the ways of John the Baptist. Eat locust. But there's a deeper meaning about it. You see, John the Baptist, never mind about his appearance. That's why he was just wearing you know, clothes that are not too loud because he was mission-driven. He was so focused about the will of God, about him preparing the way for Jesus. And my dear friends, maybe that's something that we want to challenge ourselves. Are we also mission-driven? Are we following the will of God in our lives? Can you look at the person beside you? Does that person looks like he or she is on a mission? Or maybe this person is after the commission? Or maybe he or she is used to a lot of consumption? <laughs> and during that time, my dear friends, we have the Pharisees and Sadducees in contrast gives a lot of consumption during the time of Jesus. And even Jesus called them hypocrites, impostors, and pretenders. Why? Because we understand it. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 5, we read, or maybe on your Bible, everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. And they wear robes with extra long tassels. We want to be visual, so I want you to take a look at this photo. This is how it looks like. The one that we read, this is called phylacteries. Can you see that? Phylacteries. And in Hebrew, it's actually tefillin. Everybody say that, tefillin. So that sometimes, no, you have some new words, vocabulary, you know? Pwede kang magpa-impress sa mga kasama mo. Phylacteries, tefillin. But, you know, here we understand that this is actually... Uh, you know, it has prayer and scriptures inside, about four of it. And one of them is the Shema. Everybody say that, Shema. Which actually their prayer died day and night, and this is what is inside it. We read it. Hear, O Israel, this is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And no wonder why, that's why 
they always do that so that they won't forget it. We continue it in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18. We continue to read. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly. Can you say that again? Wholeheartedly. To these words of mine, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. And again, a photo will show to us that yes, it's tied in their left arm and the other end or leather box is also tied in their forehead. So that again, they will not forget how to follow the Lord and all His commandments. But we understand as well, my dear friends, that the tassels is also a reminder that it should be passed on to the next generation. We look at it again in Deuteronomy chapter 15, and this is what it says, Throughout the generations to come, you must make tassels for the hems of your clothing and attach them with a blue cord. When you see the tassels, you will remember and obey all the commands of the Lord instead of following your own desires and defiling yourselves as you are prone to do. So you might ask this, that, you know, Coach JC, what's the connect, what's the relevance of this in our lives? You see, we can also fall into the same thing that what the Pharisees and Sadducees are showing. They're showing off. The problem was not the rituals themselves. The rituals are religious. This is powerful. And again, it connects them to God. But, everybody say that, but, but the motives behind the rituals. Because again, we read from Matthew chapter 20, verse 5, everything they do is for show. Mga palabas lang. And as Catholics Christians, let's reflect on this. That, you know, as many years as we have been practicing our being Catholics, there are a lot of rituals, religious activities that we do. Praying the rosary, reading the Bible, having devotions, attending the feast. But my dear friends, we challenge ourselves that we should not be like the Pharisees and Sadducees. That we are all just doing this for the show. But I pray and we hope that we're doing all of this because we have that desire to follow the Lord. We have that desire to really be... To, sige, tulungan natin siya. Supporta natin yung palapak na yon. We have that desire to follow Jesus. And Lord, you deserve all the best from me. Amen? If you want to be a world changer, how many here you want to change the world? How many here you want to become the salt of the earth? Yes? How many here you want to become the light of the earth? Yes? If you want to be a world changer, my dear friends, take this. You must change your inner world first. We cannot give what we do not have. And that's why I come here not often, but at least I want also to share with you that this requires brutal honesty. Sometimes we just need to accept the truth because the truth hurts, yes, but the truth will set us free. That all of us here, lahat dito, we are all guilty of wearing masks. Lahat tayo may mga maskera because we want to belong. We want, you know, to show off to people. We don't want to be judged. And we want as well to show to people what we can do. But my dear friends, here's the danger. If we don't watch it, we will believe we are our masks. We're going to believe in our own lies. And we will be forgetting our true identity. This is not us. We do this from time to time in our families, with our friends, in the workplace, 
whenever we face people, but my dear friends, we need to let go of this mask in front of Jesus because He knows us. We need to be authentic as children of God. Amen? Can you say to the person beside you, let go of the mask and let God in your life. What happens is when we don't let go of our mask, we become our lies and we become blind to our own sins. And I think that's the very important thing that we should also be watchful that we have no more sense of sin in this world. Now, I share this and I challenge you, but I also want to give you practical ways on how we can be authentic, how can we be our true selves. Let me share with you this 500-year-old spiritual exercise by the Jesuits and started by St. Ignatius of Leola. We call it the daily examine. And my dear friends, we do this at least once or twice, maybe upon you know, waking up in the morning or maybe before you retire, before you sleep you know, in the evening. There are three parts of this. Now, I want you to take a look at this, consider this as your spiritual bath. Look at the person beside you. Does that person you know, took a bath today, yes? Or medyo dahil maginaw, no? a cold today, no? Somehow, nag-skip siya. No? Madali nyo siya magdala. But my dear friends, all of us, we don't just need physical bath, we need spiritual bath. How do we do it? Through the daily examine. Now, we begin with the first part, and it speaks about gratitude. Everybody say that, gratitude. There's a lot of concerns, a lot of challenges, a lot of problems in the world. Brother Bo would say that the best antidote is gratitude. When we come back to God and say, Lord, I thank you. Not just for the good things, but at the same time, all the things that you don't understand. And you allow the Lord to speak to you. So you begin with that. Spend some moments of gratitude. Just overflow with thanksgiving before God. Now that's the first part. And it, it's normally a dance. As you dance with God, you just think you know, everything about your life. The second part is this, discernment. Everybody say that, discernment. Discernment is you asking the Lord, what is it that you want for my life? You are asking, what is your will for my life? What is your plan in my life? I want you to picture this out. You are actually looking into a cabinet or maybe a drawer and you're searching. You won't stop until you found what you're looking for. That's what is discernment. You continuously asking, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? So maybe when you recall what happened to you during this week, you try now to ask, Lord, what are you telling me? What is your message for me? And definitely, the Lord has spoken to you in so many ways. Maybe through the ups and downs of your life. You're saying that as you seek for God, His message for you, you know that God is in the stuff. You know that God is there. He is not leaving you. He's not forsaking you. He is there for you. Amen? First step, gratitude. Second step, discernment. The last step is very important as well. And that is surrender. Everybody say that, surrender. When you surrender, my dear friends, there are two things that you need to do. Number one, acknowledge that, Lord, I'm not perfect, but your love is perfect. Lord, I have weaknesses. Lord, I have sins. I have addictions. I have so many brokenness in my life. You acknowledge that. But very important as well, you tell, Lord, but by your grace, 
I can conquer this. By your grace, I can surpass this. By your grace, I'll be able to move forward in my life. And that's where you really say, Lord, I surrender everything to you. It's repenting from sin and thanking God for His forgiveness at the same breath. Everybody, take a deep breath. Inhale. Exhale. It may not be, you know, something that we used to do, but the daily examine, just try it. Subukan yun lang. You go with gratitude, discernment, and surrender, and you will never go wrong. And as the day goes by, as you practice that, it will become a part of you. I want to leave you with this message, my dear friends. Let's embrace authenticity, that we are God's children, and my dear friends, yes, we can live an inspiring life. Amen? Let's give the Lord a big hand for that. Let me call to finish this strong, Brother Odi Bilirasa. Come on, let's give him a round of applause. Yeah. Thank you, JC. Everybody say, I want to be inspiring. You know, nowadays, I don't know if you noticed this, but it's getting harder and harder to tell what is truly inspiring. I say that with so much sincerity because I, I've noticed that, you know, inspiring is relative. It's, it's, it's subjective. It depends on the eyes of the beholder. So, in other words, what is inspiring to you may not necessarily be inspiring to me. You know, some people are inspired by fame, some by fortune, some by fitness, you know, vital statistics. Some are, are impressed by, by having a, f- a big following base, like in social media. You know, it's all about being in the social media age now where it gets harder and harder for us to tell what is real from what is fake. You understand what I'm trying to say? Because people always seem to be putting up appearances. You don't know if what, what they're showing is real or fake. Let me give you an example. What if one day this week, you get a text from Pope Francis, the Pope himself, saying that he is going to go on a scheduled visit to your house this week. What's the first thing you're going to do? Let me guess. You're going to clean up your house, right? You're going to fix everything. You're going to vacuum the rug that you haven't vacuumed in a million years. You're going to clean everything, spruce up the place, water the plants, fix your bed, right? And chances are, when Pope Francis comes, you're going to take him to the best room. Am I right? You're not going to take him to the back room where all the junk is. No, you're going to take him to the best room. Because especially us Filipinos, we're very hospitable. We're very welcoming. But here's the thing. You know when there's a special guest that's coming in your house. How? When mom breaks out the good china. Right? When she brings out those never-been-used, brand-new, shiny-looking plates and spoon and fork that's been sitting in that wooden cabinet for nearly half a century and you thought nobody could use it until one day a special guest comes and then mom takes it out. You know when there's a special guest coming, how? When mom breaks out the good toilet paper. Yeah, I'm not talking about that half-a-ply, not even a one-ply, you know, that disintegrates the moment it touches water. I'm talking about the five-ply. That's what mom takes out. The royal family of tissue paper that doesn't break even if you blowtorch it. Of course, I'm just exaggerating. But you see, nowadays, it's all about making appearances. Can you say that? Making appearances. It's about putting your best foot forward. And I get it. You know, There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with, with, with making a good first impression, especially with people that you don't know. But here's the thing. That the more you try to put up appearances on the long term, it's not sustainable. 
When you try to fake it, fake is not sustainable. It's not sustainable. You can try to put up appearances all you want, but in the long term, you won't be able to sustain it. Example, you can try to hold your breath for as long as you want and make it look like you have a flat tummy, but eventually you got to breathe, right? So it's not sustainable. The real challenge today for all of us is to be real. Everybody say real. This is what Brother JC was preaching about. It's to be authentic. It's to be true. It's to be and, and love the person that God called you to be. Do you love yourself? Yes, that's good. That's the real challenge. And if there's a person in the Bible who shows us what authenticity is all about, it's certainly John the Baptist. And JC was preaching this, but he, he wasn't able to mention the background of John, why we believe John is so authentic and why he's so inspiring. It's because some of you don't know this, but John was actually very wealthy. His parents were Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, Zechariah was a well-known priest. And priests during those times, they were wealthier than the ordinary citizen. They belonged to this elite group of people. And Elizabeth, who was the cousin of Mother Mary, was also married to Zechariah, but she also belonged to a well-renowned family. So you see, in other words, John was rich. But when you read the book of Matthew on this particular passage, and you see how Matthew describes John in a very specific way, that he, he wears clothes that were woven, here's the word, from coarse, everybody say coarse, from coarse camel hair. You see, John, Matthew could have just written, you know, he wore clothes that were woven from camel hair. And you probably would have gotten the picture of what he was wearing. But Matthew had to write that word coarse. Why? Because he had to tell his readers, hey, it's not ordinary. It's not special what he's wearing. It's, it's not comfortable. It's not silky smooth. In fact, it's stiff. It's, it's dull. It, it's, and sometimes it's even itchy. It's coarse camel hair. And he even adds to that by saying that he drank wild honey and ate locusts. So that's what made him so authentic. But here's the thing. That's not everything that made John authentic because how many of you know that it's not just about how you dress and what you eat that makes you authentic. It's also how you, what you do. It's also how you act, right? How many of you want to live an inspiring life? Raise your hand. You want to be authentically inspiring? Here's what you need to do. Keep doing the right thing. Can you touch your neighbor and say, keep doing the right thing? Keep doing the right thing. That's what John did. Not only did he dress for the part, for the mission, not only did he eat right for the purpose, but he also acted right. And what he did right was he pointed people to Jesus. You see, when people would come to John and say, you know, you're the guy, you're the Messiah, you're the one we've been waiting for. John was like, it's not me. I'm not the one you're waiting for. I'm not the one you're looking for. It's somebody else who's coming after me. And you know what? I baptize you now with water, but this person will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, with holy fire. That's the right thing that he did. One more time, say, keep doing the right thing. I got to make sure it's planted in your brain today because all of us here know that doing the right thing is not always the easiest thing. Doing the right thing is not always the coolest thing. And you know that doing the right thing is not always the most popular thing. How many of you know I'm preaching the truth? It's not always the most popular thing. How many of you have ever heard this excuse whenever you are doing or somebody else is doing a wrong thing, they say, well, everybody else is doing it anyway. You've ever heard that? 
you know, sometimes it's all just a matter of asking yourself this question. Is this the right thing to do? Is this the right thing to do? Let me give you a few examples, all right? May I? When I was in high school, the easiest and most tempting thing to do whenever you would forget to do your homework is to copy somebody else's homework. Did you ever do that? Come on, let me see your honest hands here if you did that. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing the stage with me. So we did that. Easiest thing. But here's the worst part. Whenever you would do that and your friend or your classmate would say no, what happens? You're the one who's mad. Right? But then ask yourself the question, is this the right thing to do? Here's another example. It's so tempting, and I'm, I'm preaching this to myself, and I'd like to preach it to you. It's so tempting to beat a red light or to stop in areas that are not the designated stop areas or to maybe make a U-turn in the illegal areas or sometimes we do this, go to a one-way street because we think it's a shortcut, especially if there are no traffic enforcers there, right? But ask yourself, hey, I catch myself doing this all the time. Is this the right thing to do? When you are at a parking lot in the mall or anywhere, and you happen to bump the vehicle next to you, but there are no security cameras, no CCTVs, no witnesses. It's so easy to flee the crime scene, right? Without anybody knowing what you did. But ask yourself, if God is looking at you, is this the right thing to do? Are you getting my point? Two more examples. If, for example, your mom or your parent or your sibling asks you to buy something and gives you money for an errand, and then you go, and then you see that in that store, there's a 50% sale. And you have the chance now to pocket that change in your, in your wallet. And it's so tempting to just say, hey, I earned this. It was my time, my energy, my effort. But then ask yourself, is this the right thing to do? One last example. I really got to give you all these examples. I'm trying to hit every person in this room. But this one will hit all of us here today. True story. I, I asked permission to share this from my, my good friends. They're married. And some of you might even know them. Their brother, Rolly, and sister, Espana. You know them? They're pillars in our community. They, uh, they invited us to their home one time, many years ago. And we were sleeping in the guest room. And when I was lying down in bed, I saw that from afar, on one of the cabinet, or maybe even a, a, a stand, there were three awards, three plaques. So of course, I was curious what the plaques were, so I had to investigate. So I hopped on the table and then checked out the plaques. And you know, it, it surprised me. Because I never knew in my entire life, and you probably will even be shocked by this, did you know that the Bureau of Internal Revenue gives out awards? Did you know that? They give out plaques. And I realized when I saw this, it was an award to Brother Rolly for his company for being a, a top taxpayer for three years. While some of us here are avoiding to pay taxes, you know how much they paid in 2011? This is not the gross earning. This, these are the tax payments they made. 150 million pesos. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, for us, that translates like that's money in my bank account. That's money in my pocket. That's money for my vacation. That's money for my retirement. But for them, it's just their obedience to God. Because they believed in the scripture that says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. But see, that's the thing. You ask yourself, 
especially now that it's tax season, right? I know that you will have the opportunity when people say you should underdeclare. And it's so tempting to say, yes, I know. But ask yourself, is this the right thing to do? The truth is, you got to be faithful in the small things, in the little things. Because the Bible says that he who is faithful in small things will be faithful in large ones. Can I get an amen? If you want God to bless you in big ways, you got to be faithful in the small ways. Am I clear on this point? I want to move a little bit further before I close. We're going a little bit advanced on Matthew. We're going to talk about this in a few weeks. But I want to go to this verse in chapter 13 where Matthew talks about this story of when Jesus came back to his town in Nazareth. And then for some reason, the people rejected him. Some of you might even know this already. Let me read it. Verse 53 says that when Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. And then he returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get his wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed, he's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and all his sisters live here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And you know what happened? They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. I remember every single time that I would come from a retreat when I was younger. Every time I would come home, I would come home as a different person. It wouldn't be the same person. I mean, it would be me, but it would be a different person. Like a different version, you know, Audi version 2.0. How many of you experienced that? You'd, be, you'd wear a halo, and angel's wings, right? You know this. But then it wouldn't last for very long. It would only last maybe for a couple of days, give or take, maybe, maybe about a week for some of you, maybe even about a month. And then eventually, eventually you lose the halo, you lose the, the, the wings, and you go back to your old self, right? So I remember when I entered into community, I could almost imagine the sort of comments that my, my, my old-time friends would, would say about me. They would say, yeah, I know you. You know, that's just temporary. You're going to go back to your old self. We, we know how you are. We've seen you growing up. You know, you want to know why that happens, why people give that comment? Ask me why. It's because the hardest people to convince that you are capable of change are the people who are closest to you. They're the people who know you the most. Can I get an amen? It's the people who have known you from when you were growing up that actually say, hey, I, I know that guy. That's what they did to Jesus. They said, he's just the carpenter's son. I know him. I know his parents. I know Mary. I know Joseph. I know his siblings. I know him when he was still a young boy, when he still had boogers and snot coming out of his nose. I know him. I know every crazy thing they did. And so, sometimes, it's the people who know you the most that are actually the same people who see you the least. They don't see your potential because they think they know your future based on what they saw you on how they saw you growing up. But how many of you know that the same person who, who grew up is not the same person all grown up? It's two different people. And so you see, real story. When I joined community since day one, I had a friend who had his doubts. And he kept on saying to me, good luck. Good luck, because I know you. I know you're going to go back to your old ways. I know you're going to go back to who you were before, so good luck. But you know what I did? I didn't listen to him. I kept on embracing this change and this transformation that God was doing in my life. I kept on just embracing it. And you know, one day came, just lived my life. 
one day came when two years ago he called me up and, and he started, you know, he started catching up. He started telling me about his life and how he had problems with his family and, and problems with his business. And then he began saying something like, you know, bro, I, I, I look at your life from a distance, from your social media posts, from your, from your, your, your Facebook, your Instagram. And I thought he was going to make a bad comment about my faith. And then he started saying, you might not know this, but you inspire me. I'm actually inspired by your faith. I feel your faith. And then he said these words that I will never forget. He said, is it okay if you pray for me? The very same person who never believed in me was asking me now to pray for him. And I don't know about you. I don't know who this message is for, but I'm preaching this to someone here who is trying to make a change, a big change in your life, but it's been difficult. Because there are people around you who are doubting you who don't believe in you and they say you're not capable of change. You're never going to change. You're never going to get better. You'll always remain the same. And I'll tell you this. Here's my advice. Keep doing the right thing. Keep doing the right thing. Even if they don't believe in you. Even if they scorn you. Even if they shame you. Because the truth is you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for you and you're doing it for God. Keep doing the right thing. Keep doing the right thing even if no one is looking because hey, God sees you and He'll be the one to reward you. Amen. Let me say it this way because you didn't respond the way I wanted you to respond. Keep doing the right thing not for the public's regard because God will be the one to give you your reward. Come on. Can I invite you to stand? Touch your neighbor and say, keep do doing the right thing, my friend. Is this message any good? When you think about it, when you think about the love of God and how immeasurable it is and how amazing it is, the truth is we can't comprehend this kind of love. That there is that one person in this world in the form of, of, of the Lord who, who just loves you so much that even in the dirtiest, messiest, ugliest moments in your life, He chose to come down from the comfort of heaven so that He could climb up a cross just in order to be with you. It's just crazy to think about that. But here's what's even crazier. That even if you don't change, God's love doesn't change. It stays the same. It doesn't change. But here's the unique thing about God's love is that God simply loves you so much that He's not going to allow you to stay who you are and as you are. He wants to take you from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from grace to grace. And He wants to transform you consistently. He wants to mold you continually. He wants to change you from the inside out. And when you start experiencing this love of God that I'm talking about, you know the truth is, there's nothing left for you to do but change. That's what God love, God's love does to you. It lets you change. Are you ready to be changed by God's love today? I don't know what you're trying to change from, but I believe that God's grace is powerful enough to change you and to turn your life around. That it'll turn you from being broken to mended. It will turn you from being sick to healed. That's the kind of love that God has. It's a transformation. Are you ready for this?
If you are, I want you to put your hand over your chest with your head bowed down and your eyes closed. I'm just going to pray for you. You can pray this silently. Father, up above, I want to thank you for this unfathom, unfathomable, indescribable love that you have shown me over the course of my life. I don't know how you do it. I really don't know. I mean, there are so many ugly parts in my life, so many things I've done, but I'm so grateful that you don't judge my value based on what I've done. You judge me based on what Jesus has done. You don't judge me based on who I am, but you judge me on who is inside of me and His name is Jesus. And I thank you that in this moment you are cleaning me up. You are cleansing me from the inside out. I thank you that you love me enough to not let me remain who I am. So in the brokenness of my life right now, I just open my heart and receive your love. Let's respond to Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, visit lightfam.com and click on Feast Teachings.